You're listening to the This Is How We See It podcast with your host, Eric Lee. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe. Now, here's Eric. Thanks for tuning in to the show. Welcome to it. My name is Eric Lee. And thank you for spending a little bit of your time with me today. In the studio with me, my guest is Simeon. Welcome to the show, Simeon. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let's get right to it. So this show is about divorce. Now, I've never been married before, so I've never experienced divorce before. But what I wanted to talk about and what I wanted to talk to you about Mm -hmm. is divorce from the male point of view. All right. And let me tell you how this came about. Okay. So I was watching this movie, right? And uh, this lady was going through a divorce and she was a wreck. I mean, she was a basket case. I mean, she couldn't get out of bed. You know, she was crying all day, you know, uh, not washing. And, you know, mm-hmm. her friends would come by and tell her how awful she smelled. And um, I, I remember thinking just like, wow, like she is really going through this. But I wonder, is the man going through the same thing? Most of the time when we when we see movies about divorce or really kind of talk to people about divorce, it's always from the woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's you and and in movies, the man is partying. You know, he's out with his boys, drinking, getting drunk, chasing women. But I wondered, is that really what divorce is like for men? Is that a true picture? of divorce. Did you know that there are lawyers who will only represent men in divorces? They will not represent the woman. Mm -hmm. They only represent the man because the men most of the time get the short end of the stick in a divorce. So that's why there are lawyers that, um, you know, try to protect the interests of uh, men uh, in divorces. Uh, divorces. Um, according to worldpopulationreview.com, in the United States, between 35 and 50% of first-time marriages end in divorce, increasing to approximately 60% for second marriages and 70% for marriages after the second marriage. So if you've been married more than twice, you have a 70% chance if you get married again of getting a divorce. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's wow. crazy. According to a 2021 study, Nevada has the highest divorce rate in the nation at 4.2%. That's because of Vegas. <laughs> that's what I said. That's it's Vegas. got to be because Vegas. of Vegas. And South Carolina has the lowest at 2.4%. It's too hot. Well, that's why they might be running around um, having affairs if they, you know, ain't got nothing to do. I was, I was kind of, sh- I wasn't shocked about Vegas, uh, well, Nevada, but I was very shocked about uh, South Carolina was the, was the I would have thought maybe like Alabama or something like that. Um, according to a U.S. Con- uh, a U.S. Census Bureau survey, 
The top three reasons for divorces are incompatibility at 43%, infidelity at 28%, and money issues at 22%. So, Simeon. Yes, sir. How long were you married? I was married for 18 years. 18 years. Mm -hmm. That's how long I lived in D.C. I lived in D.C. for 18 years. That's a long time. Long time. What age did you get married? I got married at 24. 24? Yes, I married young. Wow. I was married at 24 years old. September 26, 1998. September 26, 1998. Mm -hmm. How did you meet? That's the funny part. I met her in the one place that you wouldn't think you would meet. We met in the club. <laughs> in the club. In the club. In what state? What what city? No, here in North Carolina. Oh, in North Carolina. In Raleigh. Yes. Mm-hmm. And actually, she came up to me because I'm honestly I'm shy. Yeah. She asked me to dance. We danced. We conversated. I remembered her name because she disappeared that that night. I remember where she said she worked. That Monday, I was still intrigued. I remember I looked the number up in the phone book. And I called her. And it went from there. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Shut up. That's how, yeah. And we went out. That's like some um what's what's uh what's what's my boy Will Smith movie? Um uh Hitch. Yeah. That's like some hitch stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's how that's how it went down. Okay. And 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 what? What what was it? Was it the conversation? Like was it was she pretty? Like like what? Was the intrigue about her? Honestly, at that time, I was, what, 22, and she was 25. She's older than me. And the youngster in me said, wait a minute, she's 25. She can rent a car. She can do all <laughs> She had all these benefits that I could think of as a 25-year-old. But it was good conversation. Oh, my God. And, I, you know, she was attractive. I mean, you want me to be honest. I'm being honest. But, you know, she, she caught my attention. Mm-hmm. And as I said, that night, I just didn't go back. And follow up with her. Mm-hmm. But I remembered what she said during our conversation. Uh-huh. And that's what led me to try to, you know, try to find her. And, you know, when I called her, she was excited. And we went out. We went out on our first date. And, it, you know, it went from there. What was the first date? We went to Applebee's on Hillsborough Street. Good gracious. This was what? Uh, now, you were married for 18. Now, this is what? 20? What? How many years ago? Now? Now, like I said, I was 22. So, what am I now? Yeah, that's been over 20. Jesus. <laughs> That's okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, do yeah. math either. I don't. Yeah. I don't do math well either. So twenty seven years. Twenty seven years, years ago. Twenty seven years. And ago. your first date was Applebee's. You said Applebee's on Hillsborough Street. I remember it. Yes. I don't even remember an Applebee's on Hillsborough mm-hmm. Street. Yep. I sure don't. So, what was the first clue that there was something wrong in your marriage? When did you start it to? When did you start to think something? Something right here. I don't know. You're going to have to get me. To, I got to think for that in a minute because it wasn't like um, one specific thing. I think it was like a combination of just certain things, certain mannerisms that, that went along that made me say, wait a minute, you know, red flags. And I'm not going to sit here and say that there weren't red, red flags on both ends, mm-hmm. but just from my perspective, mm-hmm. just certain ways she talked, certain ways she acted, and me being me, at first, I try to be the peacemaker mm-hmm. until I stop caring. Mm-hmm. And when I stop caring, then I'm going to fire back. Mm. So it was just a combination of things just over the years that just 
you know, just made things, you know, sort of started setting off red flags. And and when you say attitudes, what what do you mean? Do you mean like not talking, being oh, no, 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 mean? No. Oh, no, no. She talked. She talked, but it was just the way she talked. Mm. You know, and as I said, I tried to be the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. I tried not to. I so tried. arguments is what you mean. Mm-hmm. Like she would start arguments. Yeah, and, and see, the way, the way I am, I don't believe in trying to argue in front of kids. I don't, you know. Because of how I grew up, and I'm not saying anything towards my parents, but I just didn't believe in doing that in front of in front of children. She, on the other hand, didn't care. So a lot of times I would back away because I didn't want the kids involved in what was going on. I believe you know what's happened with grown ups is grown ups business. It's not a, it's a child needs to stay in a child's place. That didn't always happen, mm. you know. So after a while, I got tired of it, and I started firing back. And one of the things that I think really hit me hard was one time I asked my youngest daughter, does it bother you that your mother not argue the way we do? And she looked at me and she said, daddy, I'm used to it now. So it doesn't bother me. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm going to get to that. That's I'm, I'm going to get to that later on because I want to talk about how it influenced your child. So let's table that. So first it started with uh, argument. She wanted to argue a lot. You kind of you know, look, you know, I don't want to bring this up, you know, in front of the, you know, uh, uh, the child. So at first you kind of tried to squash it a bit. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, after a while, you just said, you know what, enough is enough. And and you're not going to keep talking to me out the side of your neck. Yep. So I'm going, you know. Yep. I'm going to give you what you give me. Exactly. Okay. Um. So from, from the first clue, or, or from uh, the first uh, fights and arguments and mm-hmm. stuff, um, how long before you filed? How long before the fight? Like, how long did you stay oh, before God. you filed for divorce? Oh, my God. Um, years. And the, easy, the reason, you know, for me was my children. Mm. You know, um, I've got three. And the, you know, I just decided, you know, I wanted to be there for them. I didn't want them to come up in a broken home. So, yeah, I mean, some people say it's not right, you know, and, and I realized later on that children see more than they actually, you know, give credit for. But, you know, I stayed there for a lot of years because of the, because of my kids. That is so true. Children, a lot of people don't think that, like, like mom and dad sleeping in separate rooms, they, oh, well, well, let's get up and get out of the room before the kids wake up. Those kids already know mm-hmm. that y'all are sleeping in separate rooms. They can feel the tension. They can see, you know, you know, the body language mm-hmm. of the two. They can even notice that you're not even talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And you and you you don't a lot of people don't think that, but children see uh, a lot more and, and, than and they hear a lot more than oh, you yeah. think. They hear a whole lot more than you think they do. Oh yeah. So um who was the person who filed? I filed. You filed. I filed, yep. After some years mm-hmm. of going. So in the house, uncomfortable, because I'm pretty sure it was an uncomfortable uh, situation. It was. I, I think for me, I actually went numb. So mm. it, it more or less became a situation of my children, you know, being there for them. And there were even situations where my son would pull me to the side and ask me, I, Dad, I don't see how you do it. Mm. They knew what was going on, but mm. the night that I actually left the home, it was an unnecessary argument, which she pulled the kids into the argument, 
And me again trying to be the peacemaker, I said, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to uproot you or the kids from this house. I'll leave. We'll talk about that, too. So so table that, too, because right. I want to talk about that. Okay. So, yes, kids were involved. We already said you said three mm-hmm. were involved. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, did you notice about their state of mind? You said that you asked your daughter about, you know, does it bother you? She says she was used to it. Mm-hmm. Your son says, I don't know how you stay. Mm-hmm. Did you see any kind of... Um, not mental issues, but like uh, uh, depression or, uh, you know, anything like that in your children. I don't, I wouldn't say depression necessarily. I think they also just try to be peacemakers as much as they could because they understood the situation. Now, I'm not going to say that every day in the household was bad because we still, even though we were going through, we were going through, we still had our moments as a, as a, a collective unit. But my older two children understood what was going on and, you know, so... They kind of, you know, they just, I'm not going to say they choked, they took sides, but they just understood and they were just there, you know, as in any way possible they could be. Did girls go to mama and boy go to daddy or? No, my son was a mama's boy. Oh, okay. So, so the girls came to daddy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. My oldest daughter, that's, that's my rider. Oh, okay. Even to this day. And my son was always a mama's boy because she would always have his back. Mm. Now, not saying that he didn't support me. Sure. But. He went to mama. So no, n- none of the kids really stopped talking to daddy oh, no, at, no, no, at no. that point. No. Um, because, you know, oh, my God, why are you doing this no. and all of this stuff? Not okay. Because a lot of women that go through divorce really kind of talk bad to their children about their uh, about the father. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that's that's common uh, in a relationship. So you're saying nothing like that really no, sir. ever happened. Not while I was in the house. No. Now, how did the divorce affect you? So. When I first started the show, uh, we were talking about how, you know, in the movie, of course, Mm -hmm. the woman couldn't get out of bed. She was crying all the time. She, you know, uh, how did divorce affect you? Okay. Um, And and I smile when you were talking about the going out to party and having a good time. Yeah, you get that point because for so many years, you've been feeling like you've had these shackles. You like all of a sudden, thank the Lord. I'm free, I can do this and that for a little while. But in the realization, you're already used to a certain way of living. Mm-hmm. So that that whole feeling for me, I think, lasted two days when I just felt like, hey, I'm, I don't have to deal with this anymore, I'm free. But by that Monday, I felt horrible because for 18 years of my life, this was, this is what I knew. This was my family. And now, this whole environment that I knew wasn't there anymore, and I was, you know, I, you know, I was depressed. It, it, okay, I was really depressed. So, so you did go through. It wasn't like you couldn't get out of bed. Was it like? Was it no, like that? No, or? there were days that I did not want to get out of bed. There are days that I was really depressed. There were days that I missed my family. You know, um, I had some very intricate people in my life that helped me through these through these moments. But there were still times I was alone. Mm. And for 18 years of my life, I was never alone. Mm. So it was very difficult, very, very difficult. So I went through some real rough times. When you say you missed your family, you mean your kids more than her? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. But just the whole family environment as a whole, the whole family environment as a whole, you know, just coming home, Mm. you know, hey, daddy and all that. Now I'm coming to an environment where it's just me. It's just silence. 
you know, so there were times where, you know, I would drink a lot, you know, just because I wanted to sleep, just because I didn't want to think about what had happened and, you know, just nobody being there. Just and, your, and your fault in it or thinking like, yeah. oh, my God, is this, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm the man of the house and now, you know, have I failed, you know. Yeah, and, and that's going to be any man's going to think he failed his family. They're mm-hmm. gonna think they feel their family. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Mm-hmm. So, yes, some men go through a depression. It's not, it's not, you know, happy, happy, happy. I'm in the club. Let's, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm popping bottles uh all the time. It was that way for you for two days. Yeah. But then the realization came in that, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think any man that loves their family, loves the kids, is, is not gonna say they don't go through a depression. You know, um, just to give you a little bit more history now, my oldest two, they were, I adopted them. Mm. So I only have one, like, biological child, uh-huh. but I never, ever. Looked at them differently. Nope. And if anybody says anything, they're my children. Mm. You know, so I've always had a strong relationship with all of them, you know. And my the oldest two, my oldest two were the ones that were really, really in my corner. I have had and have more of an issue right now with my own blood because of my divorce. Um, I hadn't spoken with her seven years up until recently. She didn't want to have anything to do with me because of the divorce, even though there were situations where she and I talked. But if somebody tells you enough that the sky is red, even though you know it's blue, and you're only seeing hearing one side of what's going on, eventually you're going to start saying this guy's real. And that's exactly what, what I was about to say. It wasn't really about the divorce, but it was what your wife was telling her. Mm-hmm. Your ex-wife was telling her about it. it mm-hmm. And that's what she, you know, she wasn't hearing your part, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on it. So she was only hearing one side of it. Yep. So that's why. And you didn't speak for seven years. No. Um, matter of fact, when she graduated from high school, I didn't even get an invitation. I had to actually get an invitation from, I had to buy a grad, a ticket to see my own daughter graduate. That's how, that's how intense it was. But I was not, not going to be there. Did she know you were there? She knew I was there. Mm-hmm. My daughter, they, my, my older two knew I was there, mm-hmm. you know, but to keep the peace, I just watched from afar cause I didn't want her mother to cause a scene at one of her greatest nights, which was her graduating high school. And would she be known to cause a scene? Would she, she be that person? She would be. She would be. And the thing is, just because I want, again, want to keep the peace, I stayed afar. I let my oldest daughter know I was there. I told her exactly where I was. She looked up where I was and she waved. She did wave. Oh, oh no, you're my not. Older, my okay. oldest daughter. Okay. Not the graduate. Not the graduate. No, my oldest. She knew I was there. And before I went back to my home, I went by the house. I left what I was going to give my daughter for for, um, for graduation. I left it there at the house before they got there. Because, again, I was just about keeping the peace. I didn't want any kind of headaches. I didn't want any drama because that was a big night for her. But I was not going to not be there to see my daughter graduate. Do you think when your wife had started with the arguments and, and uh, that, do you think there was someone else? For her? Yeah. No, it was just her. I don't, it wasn't, I don't, I don't think it was anybody else involved. It was just, it was just who she was. Um, 
But why all of a sudden, though? That's that's what I, you know, and well, you probably never will know, but. Well, it wasn't all of a sudden. Like I said, this is things that happen gradually over the years. Some of the things I just got accustomed to and I just turned, you know, I just turned a blind eye to it. That, and that was it, you know. Um, it wasn't anything that just happened over a year or so. It was just things that happened. And, you know, again, I got used to it and I just dealt with it. And I used my energy towards things for me or, you know, towards my kids. Now, did she go without? Absolutely not. Because mm-hmm. as her husband and, you know, mm-hmm. for the household, I'm not going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there were just things. Did we sleep in sleeping room, separate rooms? No. We slept in the same bed. Like, yeah, we did. We slept in the same bed. You slept in the, you kept sleeping in the same yes. bed. We slept in the same bed and everything. Like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those situations where we just were in separate hot parts of the house or anything like that. There were just, you know, we just had our moments. And to be honest with you, the, the day that I left the house, it was an unwarranted argument that I was trying to squash. And at this point, it was just at the breaking point. And this is one of those times when she brought the kids into it. And I'm trying to pretty much calm it down. And she kept going. I said, well, you know what? This is what we're going to do. I said, you don't have to leave. I'm not going to uproot you and these kids because this is what they know. I'll go. Okay, we're going to talk about that a okay. uh, little bit later on. All right. Interesting. Okay. Um, so did you ever go through the man whore thing? Mm-mm. You never went and, you know, with your partying and no. sleeping around and no, all that stuff. I didn't go through the I didn't go through that stage. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I had people in my corner at that time that kept me grounded so I didn't have to. Now I went through the drunk stage. Mm-hmm. I did do that. Mm-hmm. But the man whore stage. Mm-hmm. And that and 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 people so often use alcohol to hide pain. Mm-hmm. To, to you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons why people get hooked on drugs a lot. Mm-hmm. Is there some kind of pain that they're going through and this drug numbs it for a while. Yeah. And I think that they, because it it's not fixed mm-hmm. in them yet, they haven't done the work yet, then that's why they keep on chasing this drug mm-hmm. and that feeling, you know, so that they won't have to feel. And see, for me, it was a double whammy because, see, the year before, I lost my father. Mm. So I lost my father. I was dealing with that. And then the following year, here I am losing my family. So it was just a lot that was on top of me at that time that, you know, some of it I internalized. And I tried to figure it out myself. But at the end of the day, you know, it was too much for me to handle alone. And when you say you internalized it, you mean by blaming yourself, but like, what, what, what did I, what didn't I do? How could I have been a better whatever? Is that what you mean? Not just blaming myself. Just, I just went into a depressive state. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, I just kind of went into a shell. Mm -hmm. Now when I was out and about, yeah, it was, it was regular me as much as I could be when I was around certain people, you know, I knew I could be around myself. I could be myself around certain people. I didn't have to hide. But when I was by myself, that's when it was that's when it was the roughest for me. Did you ever go to therapy? Did you ever uh try therapy or even think about it? So I you did. did go. I did. I wound up going eventually when I when I realized there was nothing else I could do, I started going to therapy. And and would you say that it helped or would you say that it didn't? No, help? it helped because it gave you a, it gives you a a, a neutral party uh, that you can really mm, talk mm-hmm. to. Nobody that's biased, you mm-hmm. know, because if you look at it, if you're talking to somebody in your family, nine times ten, they're going to be on your side. They're going to be on your side. You know, I even talked with her family, and some of them were on my side. 
because they understood what I was dealing with or who I was dealing with. But it still is not as good as having someone, which I call Switzerland, that's a neutral party mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you can just really say everything you need to say to. So, yeah, I would tell anybody, don't be embarrassed to say you're going to therapy. If you need it, for whatever the reason, I guarantee I say go. That, um, and, and I, and I want to echo that because that's so true. Because in the black community, you know, we therapy is, you know, it's taboo. It's this, it's this nasty, icky word that means that something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You know, that if you got to go to a therapist, well, you know, crazy. right, you're crazy. Something's yeah. wrong with you. It does not mean that. That's right. No, it could mean people could be crazy. And they might and they might need to go to not therapy but a psychiatrist. Yeah. But therapy is not, you know, psychiatry. But um I, I totally agree with that, that we do need we need to stop the stigma of therapy in the black community. Yes, church, yes, but church ain't therapy. That's now true. there are Christian counselors. Yeah you know, that can counsel you that have you no know, uh, degrees and stuff, but um, it's true. So you, it, it helped you. And what did it help you understand? It helped me understand more of what I was dealing with. And like I said, it gave me an outlet. It gave me an outlet because there were too many times where I tried to reach out and talk to certain people. And honestly, I, I wasn't getting what I needed in those conversations. So again, and that's why I decided to go and I started going to a therapist and that was just simply to just release whatever I had in me and let them know, you know, and it it took a while because even when I started, I was a little reluctant, but after a while I just happened to just let it, you know, let it out and go from there. What would be your advice for men going through a divorce? Just take your time. Don't beat yourself up. Just understand that if you did everything that you could possibly do, then that's all you could have done. Um, don't be ashamed to talk. Don't be ashamed to get help. And honestly, you know, don't lean on those vices. Like I just said, the mm-hmm. alcohol, mm-hmm. the women, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's going to just make things worse for you. It's superficial. Yeah, it and, is. And, and it's superficial in all cases. Yep. A lot of people don't understand that it's, you know, I think, and, and we'll talk about that later on, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to ever marry again, what would you be looking for in, the, in a wife? Honestly, a strong woman. Um, somebody I can communicate with, somebody that I look at as a a true friend that I can be truly comfortable with in all aspects of my life. Someone you can be vulnerable with. Yeah, just straight vulnerable. I don't have to work. One of the biggest things that that was an issue in my marriage is I didn't feel like I could confide in my wife. Mm -hmm. Why? Because every time I did, as soon as she got mad, Mm -hmm. she threw it right back in my face Mm -hmm. every single time. So I just got to a point where I stopped talking to her. Yep, yep, yep. Which causes, you know, stuff to build up Mm -hmm. in you too. Exactly. Um, Would you do anything different this time than you did the last time? Just learn. And like I said, it's it's two sides of each story. It's three sides. It's her side, my side, (laughs) and then there's the truth. So honestly, just work on my communication. I know that that's the issue with me. Just making sure that I talk. You know, not bottle up. Just just try to talk as much as I can, and 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 that's it. My biggest my biggest issue sometimes can be talking, just because I know how I am. I I try to take the world on my shoulder sometimes, and and it can be an issue. 
and just understanding that, you know, whoever I'm with, I don't have to do it alone. So communication. communication. So you think that your that's your that's your weakness. We all have weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so communication, you say, is yours. Absolutely. I know it is. It's a work in progress, and I'm trying. But, yeah, communication can be – yeah. might not seem like that right now because I'm running my mouth, but communication, <laughs> it, yeah. I believe that America, not all of America, but America, especially Hollywood, has made a mockery out of marriage. I think that – Marriage used to be a revered institution. Mm-hmm. You know, people used to didn't just take marriage lightly. You know, there would be a courting stage. You know, back in the old days, mm-hmm. you know how you know how they do. Mm-hmm. You know, come and have sweet tea on the porch, mm-hmm. and you know all that other stuff. Um, I don't think that people really take the time to really know the person that they marriage. I think that we, uh, I think people think about, oh, sex. Oh, if, if the sex is good, mm-hmm. you know, oh, um, if they're pretty, you know, if she's, you know, pretty, if he's handsome, you know, I think that we look at a whole lot of other things um, and we don't really, because, let, and here, l- l- let me say this. Okay. Everybody is not cut out to be married. That's true. Everybody just didn't cut out to be married. And so I think that it starts, first of all, by you knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at Oprah. You know, Oprah said from day one, I, I ain't marrying tight. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, you know, I guess that's a good thing, you know, that, you know, she understands that about herself. I, I You know, I assume that, you know, um, and so I think number one, take the time to know you because if you don't know you, you know, if you don't know who you are, you know, you don't have anything to give to somebody else. So, you know, first of all, this is me, you know, and, and stop trying to change people. You know, you get a lot of that in, in a marriage, you know, oh yeah, but you know, he's this and that. So, but you know, I'll, I'll change that. Yeah. Or or she's this and that, you know, but, you know, I, you know, once once I marry her, once I get her, you know, I'm going to change her. And that rarely works. That's true. That rarely works. And without the person wanting to change, yep. you know, you don't go into any relationship to change somebody. You know, if you're not going to take, you know, the person at who they are, then you need to really kind of leave them alone. And, and, and understand this, nobody's perfect. There is no perfect man. There is no perfect woman, you know. So we all have uh, our flaws. Here's a step. Uh, meeting strict financial obligations is a primary source of stress for men after divorce. Both ex-spouses take a loss, but typically... Men suffer a larger hit to their standard of living than women, between 10 and 40% due to alimony and child support responsibilities, the need for a separate place to live, an extra set of household furniture, and other expenses. And it is worse for men who provided less than 80% of the family's income. 
these men have been shown to have a much tougher time making up for lost income. Did you experience financial stress as a result of divorce? Absolutely. Would you say that it was financial ruin or would you just say it was stress? It was, I'm going to put it between stress and ruin because there were some times where I just didn't know whether I was going or coming. And for me, like I said, my focus was on my kids. They were still in that household with their mother, and I was not going to let them go without. There were a whole lot of times I didn't know how I was going to take care of the things that I was going to take care of for me because of what I was trying to make sure was still being done for them. So it's, it's stressful. It's very, very stressful, and it's an added stress because, again, like you said before, you don't want to look at yourself as a failure because the marriage already went the way it went. So now you're adding stress on yourself because, you yeah, you're taking on two households now. Yeah, there were nights that, you know, oodles and noodles were my friends, and there were nights that Air was my friend. And I'm just being real. But I had people that blessed me to make sure that I didn't go without if I didn't have to. But that was only if I told them because mm-hmm. my pride still mm-hmm. played a lot in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? But, yeah, it, it, can be, it can be very, very, very stressful. <laughs> And I would, I would even say that most men would, would be reluctant to kind of let people know, hey, you know, I'm kind of I'm struggling here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm financially, you know, I need a little help because of the fact that society tells the men that right and you're supposed to be the 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 head and the breadwinner of the family so i you know i i would say that it's probably more men that are hiding this financial uh stress than uh than normal Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and you'll never know it unless they just tell you I, i have friends that we've had the same conversation that lost everything i even had one of my friends that never told me that he was living in his car. Mm. But his pride would not let anybody know because he wanted to handle it on his own. That's why they say men get the short end of the stick in divorce because mostly they let the woman have the house mm-hmm. because she's got the children. Mm-hmm. And so now they got to find an apartment. So now you're still helping over here, you know, and unless you're making $150,000 a year, you know, and even then it's rough. You're right. Even then sometimes it might be rough depending on that lifestyle that you left because courts normally, you know, uphold women in the lifestyle that they were accustomed to, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's why they allow Kevin Costner. I just read the judge may is making him, I think pay his wife $150,000 a month. And the children are teenagers. They're not even small, but because of the lifestyle she was used to now he's worth $300 million. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to us, we might say, oh, $150,000 is not a whole lot of money, you know, to Kevin Costner. But that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. When I went through mine, I, um, when I went through mine, my daughter was 16 at the time, 17. And they wanted me to give her $1,800 a month. And because For I'm, what? The same thing I said. I looked at them and I asked them, I said, you know where I work, right? I mean, uh, who, 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 who? I mean, I'm, I'm on the radio, so I'm not going to say what yeah. I said, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, so we had to come to an agreement because there was no way I could do that. You, how do you expect the man to go out here? You're already doing everything you're doing. And I'm, pres- I'm presenting them information showing what I'm doing still, but they have this calculator mm-hmm. 
that they put in what you make and all this, and this is what they were saying that I was going to have to pay every month for a 16-year-old. For a 16-year-old, yep. $1,800 a month. Ain't got a bill to pay. Nothing. Ain't got, you know, and that's what you, and that's what uh, they're making that you That was what them. they told me, but we were able to come to an agreement of something much cheaper. When you say you, you mean you and her, your yeah. ex-wife. Yes, we came to an agreement of what I was going to do because I was like, I can't do that, and I'm not going to put myself in the system on something I can't do, and then it'll be a bigger issue later. Was she working? My ex? Yeah. Absolutely. My ex, absolutely. My ex actually made way more money than I did. Oh my God. Way more money than I did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, when, you know, and I don't know if you know this, do you know the amount, you know, when the judge orders a uh, alimony or whatever, do, do how do they, do you know how they calculate? Well, you're making this lady, so I'm not going to make, it's not even based on her, is it? Mm. It's based on you. Well, see, the thing was, it never made it to court. I had, a, oh, at, okay. the, at that point, I had a lawyer. So mm-hmm. I went to the lawyer and said, hey, this is what I want to do. And they sat down and figured it up. And when they looked back, like, oh, I'm like, oh, what? And that's when I found out. So they were like, well, if it's being your best interest, if you can work something out outside of court, because this is what's going to happen. So it never made it to court. That part never happened. So I just know that they used some kind of calculation based off of what I was making at that time. And that's how they came up with that figure. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, Simeon, I thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And we will see you next time. Bye for now.